it is my intention to play for the Jets. There's a lot of reasons why the Jets are attractive. A team like the Jets, who you know have always been the Jets, that's not the same old Jets. You know, this is a good football team. When you get older, it's fun to prove it each year that you can still do it. Rogers steps and fires. The beauty. matter of getting that done at this point. It's been about a month since the Jets officially traded for Aaron Rodgers. Today was the first time that the media was able to see him on the field at OTAs. It was brief. We'll explain why in just a moment. Hello, welcome to NFL Live. Field Yates, you know that man right there. Swagoo, Marcus Spears on the left. The coach, Herm Edwards on the right. And we have Vegas Adam Schefter joining us. We'll describe that more in just a little bit as well. Let's go back to East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is the site of those Jets OTAs that we referenced and where the four-time MVP spoke to the media a little bit earlier today. And here is what he had to say. I just tweaked my calf and it's good photos there. I just tweaked my calf in the uh, little pre-practice conditioning so I decided to take a, take a vet day. Keep you down a while, or? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's too too serious. Before the New Jersey geography specialists get mad at me, Florham Park is the actual site where we find Diana Rossini. East Rutherford is where the Jets play their home games, of course. Diana, you were down there watching the Jets during their first OTA. Again, the abbreviated version for Aaron Rodgers. What more can you tell us about what you saw from Aaron Rodgers today before that calf injury flared up? Yeah, he wasn't out there very long. It was about 15 minutes he was on the field going through some light jogging and stretching. He was even going through a drill throwing very heavy medicine balls. In fact, he was asked about and he says he hasn't done any warm ups with medicine balls in 18 years. So wow. a lot of change for him even in the warm ups. Right. And he said that was when he felt the calf strain. Uh, and at that point, he decided that it wasn't going to be something he was going to try to power through because it's May. So he took a vet day and he watched to the side. And we knew when we were watching it that it wasn't that serious because he didn't even have any trainers come over to him. The head strength and conditioning coach stood next to him. And then as the team went through some of their offensive reps, Rodgers went out, talked to some of the quarterbacks, and that's where he started to go from, you know, the player to the coach, which you're hearing a lot about that with Aaron Rodgers' presence at the facility. He He's really doing both, and we saw it in action there. We know he wasn't able to have that helmet on, but he was doing everything he possibly could to help Zach Wilson, who, by the way, field, had a really good day. He had a good day yesterday, according to Coach Sala, and then we got to see it today. He looked really sharp out there on seven on sevens. Of course, we do know it is only May, but some improvement there for Wilson, even though we know the job does belong to Aaron Rodgers, who's made a tremendous impact on this team already. Yeah, and Diana, we know it's not a competition, but there is a chance that Aaron Rodgers' presence actually helps Zach Wilson in the long run. Perhaps we're already seeing that. Great stuff from you, Diana. I'm sure we'll be coming back to you many times over the next couple of months during OTAs. This is actually the first time that Rodgers has attended voluntary OTAs. Remember that word, voluntary. Since 2009, no OTAs back in 2020 because of COVID. And then, I said 20, 2009, I meant 2019. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers didn't attend in 2021 and 2022. Those were his final two seasons 
with the Packers. If he hadn't attended OTA since 2009, Swagoo, that would be a very long streak. But still, 2019, four years, a fairly reasonable streak for Rodgers to put an end to. But let me ask you this. It's a new team. It's his first time on the field for OTAs in four years. How important do you think it is for Aaron Rodgers to be with his new teammates during this portion of the offseason? It's very important. You heard Diana allude to it, the impact that he's having beyond the field. And I think that is very important. And obviously, you know, I talked about a lot with Green Bay of how I thought he needed to build rapport with those young receivers so they could get going. It started to happen later in the season, which by that time, they were running out of time. But the fact that he's there, he's all in, it not only shows these young players that he's ready to come and try to deliver what everybody thinks he can deliver, and that's a deep playoff run and potentially a Super Bowl, but it also shows you the the, the main thing, baby facing mm. Coach Hearn. He wants to be there. <laughs> like that's that that's the bottom line. He, he did not dead. want to be in Green Bay. There, therefore, he only showed up right. when things were mandatory. He wants to be in New York, and he 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 expressed that on the Pat McAfee show. He talked about that in his presser, and I think it's going to do a lot for a lot of guys in that locker room and a lot of people in that organization to feel comfortable about what they gave up to get him and what they potentially could be this season. Swag makes a, a, a great point in the fact, you know, he's a former player. I'm a former player, but before the coach. And you want that camaraderie. Uh, Aaron Rodgers brings hope. He brings energy. He brings all those things that a quarterback has to bring when he comes uh, to your organization. And you think about this, Aaron Rodgers is basically walking into a place right now where this offense was ranked 25th. That will not be the case this year. He also comes in with this. He comes in with Nathaniel Hackett, an offensive coordinator that knows what Aaron likes in game situations. He brings two receivers in, Cobb and Lazard. That's not by accident. That is part of the deal. These receivers will tell the rest of these young guys, you better be on point with Aaron Rodgers. He will throw you open. Don't ever think you're covered because he's going to throw you open. Mm. No question about it. His accuracy amongst the signature trades for Aaron Rodgers. By the way, Alan Lazar did briefly leave the Jets OTA today. Uh, it turned out it was because he took a shot to the place where it kind of hurts, especially as a guy on the football field. He was back. He was yeah. fine. God All is him. good there for Alan Lazar. Mm -hmm. Let's go down to the Charm City where the Ravens are undergoing their second day of OTAs. That includes the return of Lamar Jackson. He was not with the team for its first OTA. That was conducted on Monday. Time now for us to welcome in Adam Schefter for the first time to the show. And Shefty, what more can you tell us about Lamar's decision to report today after not being present for day one of OTAs? Well, Phil, you were talking about Aaron Rodgers not participating in off-season programs very often. Well, the same has been true of Lamar Jackson. He's never attended voluntary OTAs, didn't attend the first day yesterday, but was back there today. And I guess that's what $260 million and $185 million guaranteed gets for you. It gets you your franchise quarterback in camp at a time where it's critical for him to be there to work in the new offense, that new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken is installing. And so Lamar Jackson is back in Baltimore. After he signed that contract, he said he would be back shortly, and he honored his word today by reporting back to the Ravens for doing something that he has not done in the past. He has not been essentially in a Ravens uniform playing since he hurt himself last December, hurt that knee. So this was a milestone day for the Baltimore Ravens, and they're happy to have him back. Yeah, great to see Lamar Jackson back at the facility. Can't wait to see the offseason highlights at OTAs, and that's because he's going to have some new players to throw the football to this offseason. 
The Ravens first signed Odo Beckham Jr. to a one-year deal. That was back on Easter Sunday. It includes 15 million bucks guaranteed. A few weeks later, they continued the heater, drafting BC wide receiver Zay Flowers 22nd overall in the first round. The Ravens have never had a wide receiver selected to the Pro Bowl and team history. Perhaps that could change this year, but Herm, with all the changes that are taking place in this offense, new offensive coordinator, new players at wide receiver, even some offensive line shuffling, how important is it for the Ravens to have Lamar as part of this offseason program? Well, it's very important. And, and you know, uh, Adam mentioned the number. <laughs> $185 million guaranteed. You know, he that. needs to be there. Think about this. Two months ago, three months ago, we were we were worried about Lamar Jackson maybe not playing for the Ravens. Mm. Well, he's back in the fold with the Ravens. This team has energy, but also this is what's unique about this situation. Lamar Jackson for years has been looked by looked upon by other uh, people outside of the organization. Well, he's kind of this quarterback, but he runs around. He makes a lot of plays. He's the MVP, but we don't know if he can really play from the pocket. Well, it behooves Lamar Jackson this year to learn how to play from the pocket. Why? Because he needs to finish the season. He's missed, he's missed games at the end of the season in playoff runs. Now he has some people around him mm. where he can throw the ball in the pocket that can make plays for him. He doesn't have to make all the plays anymore. That's unique for Lamar Jackson. This is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm excited about that too, Herman. Obviously, the other part is we saw how much support Lamar Jackson had out of that locker room, even when this saga was materializing and we were trying to figure out what was happening between yeah. him and the Ravens brass as far as getting a deal done. We heard players publicly display support for Lamar Jackson. We heard players want him back and talked about where are we going to go if we don't have Lamar Jackson, and now you do. And to Herm's point, like the obvious is the fact that you have a new offensive coordinator, a new system and new wide receivers and new pieces on this offense that he's going to have to get acclimated to and use this offseason. But I believe the most important part, because I think Lamar Jackson is going to ball out of his mind. Mm. I think the most important part is the fact that he's going to be in the locker room with a bunch of dudes that couldn't wait for him to return. And everybody is talking about all of these other quarterbacks in the AFC and all of these other teams. And the Ravens feel like now we got a guy that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any one of them. So I like the fact that the Ravens have what they have outside of Lamar Jackson. But the, don't let's not get it mm. twisted. Lamar Jackson was the most important piece to this puzzle. And the fact that he's there now gives them a real shot at running the AFC and trying to get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, Swahoo, they feel like a potential sleeping giant in this conference. If you can actually call a team Absolutely. a sleeping giant, given the fact that we cover the NFL 365 days a year, what more do you have to add, Shefty? <laughs> well, I would just say this also. It's become an important season, just like it was an important offseason for Lamar Jackson. He got paid, rightfully so. He now has something to prove during the postseason where he has not played well, where he's faltered, where he's struggled. We're talking about all those other top quarterbacks in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes has won a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow's gotten his team to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Some of those great quarterbacks in that conference have played really well. Lamar Jackson has not played his best football in the postseason. So there's a new offense to learn with Todd Monken. There's the point to prove a play in the postseason, and he's got a lot at stake here with the new contract that he received. With all those heavy hitters in the AFC, it feels like a lot of quarterbacks have a pivotal season ahead for them. Let's go to the league meetings now in Minnesota, where owners voted in favor by a 24-8 margin to approve flex scheduling for Thursday night football. It's applicable during weeks 13 through 17, requiring 28 days notice. Here's Commissioner Roger Goodell on the decision. 
Flex has been part of our scheduling for quite a while. We expanded it to Thursday night. It will be used judiciously, if at all. Um, it's a very limited time period, and it's also something that is a, what we would consider a higher bar. Uh, we expanded it to 28 days uh, in the context of our fans and making sure that they have appropriate notice uh, if that does happen. Um, but we have uh, data on the safety of the game. There's been no difference. In fact, it's slightly lower on Thursday nights. So we don't see that. We haven't seen that in the data since we've been playing since 2006, I believe it is. Uh, so we don't think it's an inconsistent at all with player safety. Chepsey, what more can you tell us about how this decision came together? Listen, I think the league is trying to avoid a matchup late in the season where two teams are losing and people aren't interested when they're trying to boost up Amazon on Thursday night. So it starts there with the idea of the ratings, the popularity, making more money. But let's keep this in mind. Flexi is also coming to Monday Night Football. Yeah. So now it used to be on Sunday nights, games could be flexed there. Now we have games that could be flexed, albeit with a limited window, with plenty of notice on Thursday nights. We're going to get games flexed potentially on Monday nights. So flexing has become a regular part of the NFL. The players hate it. Teams hate it. Coaches hate it. They don't want to be flexed into any other week or any other night other than the schedule that exists, and it's not great for the fans. But the league continues to innovate in ways and come up with ideas and rule changes that essentially allow the popularity of the sport to continue to rise to unprecedented levels. And that's the idea, again, behind this. A lot of people against this. It got eight no votes. The Jets and Giants voted against it. The Bears and Packers voted against it. The Bengals and Raiders voted against it. But it had enough support barely to squeak through so the flex scheduling now becomes a part of Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. I guess we got to write those uh, schedules down in pencil. Swagoo, what are your thoughts on this decision by the league? Uh, for, you know, initially, first of all, let me say this, all right, because I'm going to talk from a player perspective. We got all this damn data, and I understand what Roger Goodell is saying about the data and the injuries and all that. Let me make it plain for everybody. Players don't like playing on Thursday. I did in my entire career with the Dallas Cowboys because we always played a Thanksgiving game. We do not like not having that window to get our bodies ready to play the next Sunday. So let's just get that out there, okay? Yeah. And everybody understands what this is about. This is about obviously making money. It's about giving them flexibility to put good games on because the entertainment aspect, and we got to kind of get our feelings about that with the NFL. We can be mad about it as far as players and as far as player safety. But the NFL is a business. They're, they're in business to not only grow the game, but to make money. This is another way to do that. I just don't want people to have it misconstrued. There are things you are not going to like. And I learned that as a player. I did not like playing on Thursday. When I finished the Sunday game, I realized that three days from now, I'm going to be back getting ready to play a game. That ain't fun for nobody. It damn near ain't fun to play the next seven days, let alone the next four or five. So let's just get that out of the way. The flex scheduling was going to be, it's better to grow the game, and that's the in intent of it, and everybody going to have to live with that because the overall arching issue has always been Thursday. The flex doesn't change that. Marcus makes some great points. Uh, former player, and I'm a former player as well. I will say this. Uh, I'll take my coaching hat off and, and, and say this. If they're so eager to flex the schedule on Thursday night, why don't they flex the roster? In other words, instead of addressing the 48 players, 
go ahead and dress all 53 players on Thursday night games. That gives you the ability to dress more players for play. Talk about point. player safety. Great That's point, player huh? safety. And I think, you know, if we always talk about that. Will you have a chance to do it now if you're going to flex the season on Thursday nights? It's a great point there, Herman. Certainly something that has been discussed in the past. A lot more news from those owner meetings, Shefty. What more can you tell us about what took place? Well, a number of rule changes passed here, Field. A number of notable developments. We'll start with the fact that a fair catch on a kickoff now will ball be placed in the 25-yard line following a fair catch. No matter where it is, it goes out to the 25. The 2025 NFL Draft awarded to Green Bay in and around Lambeau Field. That'll be something Green Bay's always wanted. A Super Bowl, not getting a Super Bowl, but is getting the 2025 draft. The Super Bowl 60 is going back to Levi Stadium. It's the second Super Bowl at that stadium. The Broncos beat the Panthers there previously. And Roger Goodell's contract continues to be in the headlines. He is expected to be extended through the year 2027. The owners have been working on this extension for him for a few weeks now, and it is expected to get done, but it's not done quite yet. If I'm not mistaken, as we see these quarterback salaries go up and up, I think Roger Goodell may be the highest paid player. He's not even a player in the NFL. That number is even bigger than Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts money. It's good to be the commissioner of the NFL. Just getting started here on NFL Live. Here's some good news for the Chargers. Austin Eckler is staying in L.A. after some new incentives were added to his contract. Here how high his ceiling is with his new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Plus, the NFC North is shaping up to be one of the most competitive divisions in the NFL this season. Coming up, we run through all four teams with Swagoo and Hearn. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Back on NFL Live and time now to read and react starting in Houston where Texans head coach D'Amico Ryans and rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud spoke about their relationship. C.J.'s been the same from the pre-draft process and now hard worker, very intelligent guy. He's in a true competitor. So he's been the exact same guy. Nothing has changed. And I mean, he's just been great. Uh, very vocal. Um, he's really funny too. So like, it's cool to have a coach that's not all stuck up all the time or like super mad. So uh, he's been amazing though. Uh, very transparent. Uh, communication has been great. So um, yeah, he's going to be a great head coach. Love to see that. Herm, what can CJ Stroud show to his coaches and teammates throughout the offseason that will prove he should be the week one starter? Well, he's going to be the week one starter. He didn't prove anything. This is why they drafted him. And you're D'Amico Ryans. He couldn't be playing for a better 
coach right now if you're Stroud when you think about it. This coach comes from San Francisco. What do they do in San Francisco? Play great defense. They're going to build a defense around this kid where they're not going to put all the pressure on him to have to score. Remember, this team hasn't won a lot of games in the last four or five seasons. He will be the starting quarterback. There's no doubt about it. And That's why they drafted him. Plenty of excitement in Houston, which is great to see. Let's go to Buffalo, where quarterback Josh Allen spoke about trying to bounce back from the team's recent early playoff exit. Statistically, you look at it where we're, we were top three, four offense in the league last year, and um, it wasn't good enough. Losing the playoffs isn't fun, you know, and I so badly want to bring Super Bowl here to Buffalo, and I just don't want anything to get in the way of allowing me to be the best quarterback that I can be for this team. Swagoo, how can the Bills make a deeper run this year? Yeah, focus on this run game, and I'm not talking about the run game with your quarterback. I'm talking about with your running backs and being able to run it sometimes when you need to impose your will and also run it when it's favorable and stop relying on Josh Allen to bail you out of everything. And I know Buffalo has a superstar at quarterback, and I know he's going to be a great playmaker at all times when games are on the line, but take a bit of pressure off Josh Allen, create some play action, and let him make some easy pitching catches as opposed to having to be Superman in critical games and critical times. Looks like they have some depth in that backfield now as well, Swaggy. The Chargers are going to keep their star depth running, or their star running back, rather than have to go to some depth because we have some news out of Los Angeles involving Austin Eckler. Shefty, what more can you tell us? Essentially, Austin Eckler, who had requested to be traded earlier this offseason field, reached agreement with the Chargers on a deal in which they're going to add $1.75 million in incentives to his contract. And I think that that's a compromise, a solution for both sides where the Chargers get back their running back who will want to be there. And Austin Eckler gets some sweetened contract here with the idea also that he will become a free agent after the season at the age of 28. Now, the Chargers still can franchise tag him or use a tag on him if they want after the season, but Eckler is scheduled to become a free agent, but now has a little bit more money in that contract to play for. Yeah, and probably no player deserves that more than Austin Eckler with 107 catches last year. I should say this, so anybody out there listening, don't draft him in fantasy football. Let me have him (laughs) instead. Austin, I love you. Coming up next, the Lions made huge strides last season. Now they have higher expectations, maybe than ever. Hear what Herm says they need to do to pick up where they left off. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
Back on NFL Live and time now for some top storylines from around the league. Starting with Tariq Woolen out in Seattle. Shefty, what more can you tell us? Well, Field, the Seahawks Pro Bowl cornerback underwent arthroscopic knee surgery today in Houston after he injured his knee last week walking on the practice field. Now, he is expected to be back by training camp. Never want to have any surgeries, but he was a great player in his rookie year for Seattle when he tied for the league lead in interceptions, and they do expect it'll be back here in time for training camp. That's good news for the Seattle Seahawks. Meanwhile, the Denver Broncos released the last member of their last Super Bowl team, Brandon McManus, released after nine seasons with wow. the team. He was instrumental in that Super Bowl run, now becomes a free agent, had one team that's gone up against the Broncos, just text me moments ago saying they're glad that they released him. They felt like he was a great kicker who killed that particular team. And staying in the division, Tom Brady is now a limited partner with the Las Vegas Raiders. He's reached a deal with the Raiders owner, Mark Davis. At least 24 current NFL team owners have to approve Brady's partnership. Hard to imagine that they wouldn't. So Tom Brady is set to become a limited partner in the Las Vegas Raiders. And the former Raiders tight end, Foster Moreau, practiced today. And that was great news for somebody who earlier this offseason was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Not a surprise that he was out there. Not a surprise. He's practicing. He's undergone treatment. He's done exceptionally well. He expects to be a full participant this season, and everybody around the league is rooting for Foster Moreau. Well said, Shefty. And if you want to hear more from Foster Moreau, go check out the Adam Schefter podcast as he joined Shefty not too long ago. One of my favorite football podcasts. New episodes out each week. Time now to swing around the NFC North. The Lions won 8-2 in their final 10 games last season. Big expectations now arrive in Detroit. They have the best chance to win the NFC North, according to ESPN Analytics, as they look for their first division title since 1993. They're followed by the Vikings, Bears, and the Packers in the closest division in the league between the top and the bottom of those two teams. So, Herm, a lot of hype around the Lions this year. It's been a while since we could say that. What needs to happen for them to meet those expectations and perhaps be better than last year? Well, don't buy into the hype, and I don't think their head coach will allow that to happen. But this is a team that was surging at the end of the season. They were 5-1 and one in the division. Think about that. They had the best division record, although they did not win the division. Offensively, we know they can move the ball and score. Their problem has been on the defensive side, especially the run defense. They were 29th in the National Football League versus the run, so they've got to They've got to get a little stouter inside there against the run game. Uh, and they got better toward the end of the season, but they were giving up 25 points a game. So this team has some improving to do on the defensive side of the ball. And if they do that, they have a chance to win this division. It's amazing to think that the last time they won the division, Jared Goff, who feels like a veteran quarterback, wasn't even born. Yeah, 1993 was the last time Detroit won that division. Let's go to Minnesota, where the Vikings are the defending champs. It's been a busy offseason with some familiar players. Out the door, that includes Adam Thielen and Eric Kendricks. They brought in Brian Flores to help fix that defense and then drafted USC wide receiver Jordan Addison in the first round. Kirk Cousins currently entering the final year of his contract, scheduled to be a free agent after 2023. And Swagoo, the Vikings won the division a season ago, but then they lost in the wild card round of the playoffs. How can they make a deeper run this year than last? Play defense. So bad and disgusting yes. watching the Minnesota Vikings disgusting. 
try to defend teams last year. Like, I, and I, I did that to be facetious because this team offensively was as highly powered as anybody in the NFL outside of when Justin Jefferson got taken away a couple of times. But they couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't stop the run. Couldn't get after the quarterback. Zadarius Smith, their best rusher from last year, walked out of the door. The Minnesota Vikings have played Jekyll and Hyde since I've had this job. We've always talked about immense amount of talent that they, they've had on the roster and not being able to put it all together. Brad Flores should help. He's a one-gap guy. He wants to get up the field. He wants to pressure the quarterback. He wants to call blitzes at opportunistic times. And he wants to create and dictate on, a, on, on from a defensive standpoint as opposed to waiting to see what's going to happen and then we make adjustments. So hopefully that helps out. If they play a little inkling of defense, they may have a shot at this division. Yeah, seriously, Swagger. Last year was disrespectful to watch that defense week in and week out. Ugh. Let's keep things rolling here in the division. We go from Minnesota to Green Bay, and they are now led by Jordan Love following the trade of Aaron Rodgers. Love has just one career start so far in his career. His head coach spoke about his new starting quarterback at the team's OTAs earlier today. The way he's matured as, uh, as, a, as a man, um, you know, the, the control that he has within the room, out on the field. Um, I think that he maximized his opportunities these last couple of years in terms of just learning from one of the greatest to ever play this game. So I think, I think he really took advantage of that. And uh, certainly, you know, it's, it's never an easy spot to, to follow a guy like that. But I think, um, you know, he's got all the tools. Never fun to be the guy that follows the guy, Herm, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> what do you expect this offense to look yeah. like under Jordan Love this season? Well, I think you make the point, but also remember the guy that followed the guy? He had to follow a guy. Think about Love. He's taking a position and playing a position right now where two Hall of Fame quarterbacks have left there. One retired in Brett Favre, and now it's Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. But I think this offense will change. There's a reason they went out and actually drafted two tight ends. Yeah. They're going to shrink the offense some to get his feet on the ground, play action, run the ball. That will also protect their defense. Their defense was weak against the run last year. This whole conference had bad defenses, by the way. But that'll help him. Bring him along slowly. Don't give him the whole playbook. Use the tight ends, the running game. He'll be fine. Is there a more fascinating player in the NFL this season? Doesn't seem like it to me, at least. One start in three years. Now the guy in Green Bay. Let's go to Chicago where we wrap things up and Justin Fields is entering his third season. He may have turned the corner in the second half of last year as after throwing more picks than touchdown passes in the first six weeks of the year, his total QBR nearly doubled from week seven on and he posted the fourth highest mark in the league trailing only, how about this, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen. Here's Fields earlier today. It's the first, you know, season I'm going into where it's, you know, my second year knowing the offense. So definitely feel, you know, more comfortable um, in it just with my reads and stuff like that. You know, just seeing what the defense is doing and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's truly amazing um, when you just have that feeling going in, kind of, you know, knowing where your guys are going to be more comfortable with the footwork stuff. So, you know, it's been great. You know, I'm just excited to be able to lead this team and uh, to be able to reach new heights. So. 
first of all, we need to enact a rule that allows Justin Fields to wear that orange visor in games. That was sweet. But, Swagoo, I'll ask you, uh, so much to like about what Justin Fields did in the second half of last season. Yeah. How much confidence do you have that he can not only carry that on this year, but be even better? I, I'm still on the fence, babyface, because okay. a lot of what Justin Fields' success was was running for his life and mm. having to create an offense for the major deficiency in what, what that team was offensively, and that was protection. Um, and I know all the talk about Justin Fields seeing the field and all of that. His offensive line was terrible. This was the 32nd ranked passing game in the league. A lot of that had to do with his, his inability to stay clean in the pocket. This year, you should have a transition with that. You should have a better offensive line, what Poles did in the draft and in free agency. You should be able – you got D.J. Moore, more weapons on the outside, traded for Trace Claypool. Um, you just – you feel like this is a Justin, I mean, a Jalen Hurts year for mm. Justin Fields yeah. if he's protected. Because the proof has to be the fact that he can push the ball down the field with his arm, that they can create a consistent passing game, take care of the football. We know what he is athletically, and they can use that to enhance this offense. But there were times last year, babyface and Coach Herm, I know y'all remember, where Chicago just absolutely refused to throw the football. This year, you got to throw the football. You got to throw the football in this league to have some success and have the amount of success that they plan on having. So that'll be the transition for Justin Fields. We'll see if he can do it if he's protected. Hey, to your point, Swagoo, 377 team passing attempts last year in a league where some teams push over 700. The Bears threw the ball 377 <laughs> yeah. times last year. Played a different game than teams like Kansas City. Coming up, DeAndre Hopkins with a no-show for the first day of OTAs in Arizona. With his future in limbo, the football receiver gave us some insight on what he's looking for in his next team. We'll discuss that when we return. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We'll have Game 3 of the Western Conference Final for you tonight at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. The Stars host the, host the Golden Knights with Vegas up two games to none after their second overtime win of the series. That one on Sunday afternoon. Our coverage begins with the point at 7 Eastern for Pacific. As the Cardinals begin their OTA, star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is not amongst the players taking part. Hopkins has been the subject of trade speculation this offseason and recently appeared on the I Am Athlete podcast to share some insight on what he's looking for. Here's what he had to say, quote, what I want is stable management upstairs. That's something I haven't really had the past couple of years of my career coming from Houston and then to Arizona. A QB who loves the game, a QB who brings everybody on board with him, not just himself, but everybody. And a great defense. This is Monty's first year as GM, but from what I understand and from talking to Monty, I think Arizona is in good hands. We have Buda Baker, Isaiah Simmons, and Kyler is a quarterback who loves the game, but he's injured. Right now, I'm playing with Colt McCoy, who I love, but who knows? Right now, I currently don't have a Pro Bowl quarterback. All right, Herm, a lot to unpack there. What do you make of those comments from DeAndre Hopkins? <laughs> Well, a veteran receiver that's toward the end of his career and, and he, he wants to end it 
uh, playing well and winning, and he finds himself in a situation. He just mentioned it. Colt McCoy is a, a good, good little quarterback, but at the end of the day, he wants to win. Mm. And I would just tell him, look, we got to try to keep this all in, in, you know, just keep it all in, in, in house. We don't want this to get out because that's that's going to be the big question now. Every time he plays, if they don't win, are are, are you are you mad? For, for, for staying here. Are you mad for coming here, right? I mean, you don't want this to permeate in your locker room. Mm. All right, so, Shefty, this feels like a situation that's been brewing all offseason, might continue to brew. What more can you tell us about where things stand with DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals? Phil, the truth of the matter is that two sides right now are stuck with each other. Mm. Arizona would like to move him, but obviously the contract is prohibitive, and there is not a team out there that's willing to take on that contract the way it's currently constituted. DeAndre Hopkins would like to be elsewhere, but he's stuck being there right now because nobody's willing to take on that contract, and they've been unable to reach agreement with him or the Cardinals and or the Cardinals yeah. on compensation. And so right now, they're stuck. And right now, he has to be there. Now, the situation could change during training camp if and when a contending team suffers an injury, if and when a team out there decides that some of its young wide receivers aren't performing up to their standards. And DeAndre Hopkins could be moved at any point in time. Sure. But this has been out there all offseason. Right. And nothing's happened still. And so, like we said, they're stuck with each other for the time being. It's a really interesting dynamic, Shefty, because while I get it, the market certainly hasn't said that he is worth that $19 million salary he is currently scheduled to make. Odo Beckham Jr. has got $15 million guaranteed from the right. Ravens, up to 18. And DeAndre's been on the field and producing this past season. So... Go ahead, and, you, you want to get back in and, there, Jeffy. You have a and, and I think that threw things out of whack a little bit too, mm. because Odell Beckham's contract came in higher than a lot of people thought. And so, whereas DeAndre Hopkins might have at one point been willing to take less, I think that distorts the market some because he sees that fifteen million dollar number and he says, "I've outproduced Odell Beckham Jr." And so that inflates his asking price and it complicates an already complicated trade situation that much more. All right, so Swagoo, we all know that it's not fun when a player doesn't get traded. It's fun when we can think of hypothetical trades or hypothetical resolutions that result in D-Hop going somewhere else. What do you think is the best fit for D-Hop? Kansas City. Kansas oh. City, and it would be a good fit for a lot do we, of guys. Do we just raise the Lombardi offense. now, Swagoo? But, 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 <laughs> yeah, raise the Lombardi if they get it. But, uh, but here's the reason, babyface, too. From a football standpoint, DeAndre Hopkins is known as one of the best off-schedule pass catchers okay. in the NFL. Mm. When you talk about quarterbacks creating and finding a guy downfield that can be dominant at the top of catches down in the red zone, in the red area. And when you think about Patrick Mahomes and where he thrives a lot is those off-schedule plays and somebody to bail him out outside of Travis Kelsey and a big body. So from a football standpoint, it fits based on what happens in that offense. And we know Andy Reid would dial up some magnificent magnificent things for DeAndre Hopkins. But it also is to her point. Like, it's winning time for mm. DeAndre Hopkins. You could be just another good wide receiver that's considered one of the best ever and never put a ring on. I'm sure that's got to be what DeAndre Hopkins' mindset is as well. Now, at this point, he's accomplished what you need to accomplish as a wide receiver and how people think about him. Now it's time to justify that by bringing home some hardware. Man, I, that got to be on the front part of his mind. No question about it. And there will be no place to go and win than Kansas City because they are the best team and the two out of the last four-time champion. 
Moving forward to Tua, who is out on the field for OTAs and looks to turn a new page from last season. One person here says the playoffs are well within reach, even in a tough AFC East. Find out who believes in the Dolphins next. The Dolphins are banking on a big season ahead, in large part due to the healthy return of quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. Tua suffered multiple concussions last season, including one that prevented him from playing in the team's playoff game. Here's his head coach, Mike McDaniel, on his return earlier today. I've seen a guy that's followed through um, with his words as well as any young, young man I've, ever, I've, I've come across in my career. You know, going above and beyond, you know, training uh, martial arts, how to protect yourself while getting hit so that you can continue to play. It's been very positive in terms of, um, you know, controlling what we can control and how to uh, uh, go along the process of injury prevention as best we can. Shafty, what more can you tell us about Tua and his return to the field? Well, Phil, the Dolphins believe in Tua. They're expecting a full return, and they're counting on him being able to stay healthy. Now, that's something he struggled to do so far during his young, early, impressive career. But they believe that he's going to be out there, and they're standing behind him. You saw them pick up his fifth-year option this offseason, which shows how much they believe in him. They're guaranteeing his salary for the 2024 season already. And so, yes, Miami is all in on Tua, believing and counting on him being healthy. Good stuff there. It should come as no surprise. The Dolphins were a different team with Tua Tungavailoa under center last season. They were 8-5 and five in the 13 games that he started, but only had one win in the five games that he missed. That included the playoff loss to the Buffalo Bills. They did play Buffalo tough in that game, it should be noted. And how about this? As far as individual performance is concerned, Tua's total QBR was near the top of the league. Only Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes had a better QBR last season. So, assuming full health for Tua for a full season, Herm, what do you think the reasonable, excuse me, Swagoo, what are the reasonable expectations for this offense going into this year? I think they can be dynamic, babyface. Obviously, we know the personnel that Tua has around him, but this all points to his offensive line as well. And we talk about Tua's injuries, but when they got off schedule offensively and he had to hold the ball, the offensive line didn't hold up very much for him. And we all compliment Josh, I mean, Mike McDaniel and knowing that his offense will create some time in the pocket for the quarterback, but, but ultimately they have to protect Tua better. I know we talked about the concussions and we talked about how to get hit and how to fall, but he was under a lot of duress. When, when, those, when those underneath routes weren't, weren't hitting in a timely fashion from the RPO and he had to hold it a little bit longer, athleticism had to kick in immediately. If they give him time, and I know Taron Armstead was in and out of lineup with some injuries himself, which I think will be a big boost if he can stay healthy as well throughout the season. I think they'll be fine as long as Tua has time. Because when Tua had time last year, he was one of the better quarterbacks in, the, in all of the NFL. Yeah, I agree with Swag. He's an MVP candidate, but really on the other side of the ball defensively, this is where they have to improve. 
They were 27th in pass defense when you look at this team and what they did on the offseason went out and got Ramsey. Howard's the other corner. They drafted Cam Smith. Why? They have to play against Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. They understand we can score points, but we got to defend better, especially at the back end of our defense. And we talked about it earlier, Swag and myself. They only had 40 sacks. That total is going to go way up now with Vic Fangio being a defensive coordinator. He's going to get after the quarterback. And the only way he can get after the quarterback is with a rush and good cover guys in the back end. And they have solidified that with their secondary. Oh, that's the key pickup there, Herm. You mentioned it. Vic Fangio. If anybody can come in and help that defense upgrade it, improve it, it would be the master defensive coordinator himself, Vic Fangio. Great stuff there from everybody. And time 100%. now for one more thing to wrap up the show. And we're giving this a little bit of time because what a moment this was last night. Nobody more deserving than our own Ryan Clark, who took home the sports Emmy for the best sports analyst, studio analyst last night and a moment that he so richly deserved. Take a listen to what RC had to say after winning this prestigious award last night. I work with the best people in football and I mean that by no, with no disrespect. Uh, Lies here, Marcus here, B's here, but Laura, Marcus, Mina, Dan, every single day, they make sure I'm on my stuff because if you don't come to that show prepared, you will get left behind, and I refuse to get left behind, but thank them so much for pushing me. Swagoo, what a moment, and certainly nobody deserves that more than RC. I just want to let everybody know that Ryan Clark is a phenomenal human. Yes. You know, beyond the success that we see him garner, all the time, and he does a tremendous job, and he works as hard as anybody in this industry between NFL Live and ESPN and his own podcast, The Pivot. He's a great person, and when great things happen to great people, we should all celebrate that and nod it. A great person won an Emmy for the job that he does, but RC is the man yeah. for the job. There's right? only one thing he does better than talk here on TV. That's being a dad and a husband. RC, you deserve it, my friend.